G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Pocket Profile Podcast Series. My name is Patch and I am here with the wonderful Foz Daddy to talk about who else but Hawthorne. Foz, how are you, my good sir? G'day Patch, I'm, I'm well, mate. How are you? Good, 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 good. Massive thanks to Teller Beats for the intro and massive thanks to Supercoach Champion as well for the rings that have been all over the website, all over these. Head over JR2021 is the code to get same day delivery for free. Um, So tell them we sent you, go have a gander there. But now that that's all out of the way, Foz, how are you feeling about your beloved brown and gold? for 2021 look i think it's going to be uh, a bit of a development year this year but it was exciting to watch the boys run around today in that practice match against uh, the western bulldogs we were trailing most of the game and got over the line which is nice so yeah it's good to good to see the boys up and about and, and playing some competitive footy again mm, yeah no so yeah that'll obviously date the podcast a little bit but we're recording this the day of that um yeah that pre-season game we both kind of sat down and watched bits and pieces of it um, yeah, to to try and get as the up to date information that we can for uh for everyone out there before we get into you know the locks and knocks the all that stuff that we've been doing that everyone will know by rote now was there anything that really stood out um for you from Hawthorne not as so much from a supercoach perspective but just just stood out? Uh, well, I only caught the the first half and then a tiny little bit into the second half, but. Um, so I only really watched us when we were behind, but it was really good to see um, a lot of the young players, the, the rookies that, that we've just drafted and, and from a couple of years ago, just starting to develop and, and play. Obviously, it's just a practice match, but still meshing and gelling with the older boys. And uh, so it was really good to see yeah, Connor Downey on a wing. It was good to see Tyler Brockman. Um, Ollie Hanrahan kicked the first three goals for Hawthorne. So just good to see those youngsters starting to come through and, and hopefully we can see them starting to play a lot more football in in hopefully this season, but also in the next couple of years as as Hawks try to regenerate that list and and build back up for hopefully another flag uh, flag attack. Well, I mean, we'll settle down. Let's not get <laughs> let's not get too optimistic for Hawthorne, considering you've had your fair share of flags in the last ten years. Give somebody else a shot. You know, somebody who might not have been able to win finals last <coughs> a little while. <coughs> Uh, moving right along, let's just crack into it. Who are you locking in from Hawthorne for uh, for this season? Uh, well, that'd be one Tom Mitchell. Um, he does have some some injury concerns at the moment, um, so he's he's just a little bit under the weather with his shoulder. Um, he didn't play today uh, during the practice match, but he's also the sort of player that because of his role at Hawthorne he just, and he, his ability to just find the pill and, and get it out to the runners, he doesn't really need to have plenty of Ks in the legs going into round one as long as his shoulder isn't falling out of the socket and he's you know right to go. I don't know if he does need those the Ks in the legs. And last year, played 17 games on the back of his broken leg where he missed the entire year, um, averaged 113, coming back from that massive injury, which, which as I say, he missed 12 months. So... You'd think another year on, he's building up those Ks in the legs and he's, he's getting a bit bit healthier. He should be increasing that average and, and I, I dare say that he's going to average 130 like he did in his Brownlow year. But, you know, a bit more than 113 makes him a very valuable selection at, at 610K. 130, you reckon, he's a chance to average? Oh, not, no, he averaged 130 once. It would be great to see it again. 
but it'd be great to see all my starters average 130. I'd love that. Yeah, he, he's sitting there as my knock at the minute. Just yeah, for, for as you mentioned, he's a bit under the the weather injury crowd, uh, injury wise injury cloud, and at six hundred and ten thousand dollar you do that's a lot of money to be putting under a guy who hasn't had a massive preseason um but yeah that said he's you know the i don't think the kilometers in the legs he'll still be able to kind of run and, and get get some of that movement in the legs while the shoulder's recovering but whether or not he's up to the bash and crash of of getting all that contested ball maybe he is we just don't know and i don't like i'd, I'd rather just have him as an upgrade target at this stage. So he, he's currently sitting at my knock, which I think somehow you've got him down as your knock as well. Do you? It, it is. It's, it's funny how he's also my knock, but it, it really comes down to his fitness really. And, and that's why he's um, controversially both my lock and my knock. If he's fit, he's in, if he's not, then he's out. And as you said, he's probably going to be an upgrade target. Um, hopefully one of the first upgrades you, you look at just because of his ability as we've seen in the past to go big, but uh, it all relies on that that shoulder concerns and, and how he's how he's tracking. But I guess as we get close to the season, um, we'll start to know uh, a little bit more and a little bit more clearly on how he's tracking with it. Yeah, no, it's yeah a, a fair way out to make that call on that injury, but yeah, it's a, kind of a wait and see prospect. Um, but yeah, certainly wouldn't blame anyone for not starting him. So we've managed to knock over the locks and the knocks pretty quickly. Bolters, who do you see bolting out of the gates for Supercoach 2021 from Hawthorne? Because there are quite a few that could fit into this category. There, there certainly are. I've got a couple of players who who I like the look of, um, and they play the same or similar sorts of roles. And One's Jack Scrimshaw and the other's Will Day. Um, I see both of them playing a, a relatively similar role off the halfback, maybe pushing onto a wing, uh, depending what our lineup is like that particular week. But um, both of them, are, uh, we obviously saw Will Day last year and seemed to be everyone's favourite child um, in the brown and gold. Just having a massive amount of time off the halfback flank, you know, finding targets and using his elite foot. Uh, but Jack Scrimshaw is one that really intrigues me as someone who did increase his scoring when uh, Sicily went down. So his average jumped uh, 21 or so points uh, from 64.8 up to 85.5 with Sicily out of that side, having done his ACL. So he's going to get plenty of opportunity to play that sort of role. Um, there's you know talk of Blake Hardwick taking that role, but I see him more as that sort of medium defender, like lockdown sort of player. Whereas I think Scrimshaw has the ability to, to peel off and, and take a couple of intercept marks and will probably get the opportunity to do that. Whereas I think Will Day is more likely to end up on a wing, um, may stay on the halfback flank, but he's a little bit more... Uh, agile and it has the, a bit more of the ability to move around. Yeah, and they, that spot certainly up for grabs. And anyone who's ever owned James Sisley and Supercoach will know how lucrative a position that is. Do you both of both Day and Scrimshaw are just under that four hundred k mark, which puts them at a bit more value than say a, a Witherden or a Duggan or a Williams. Do you, if we're starting to compare some of these mid prices now as we get closer to the season, do you think? That you, would you be considering one of those two in place of a Williams or a, or a Duggan or something? What, would you consider picking them over one of those players? Can they average about the same, a little bit more, provide a little bit more value? What's what's the thinking there? Uh, I probably wouldn't be picking either of them over Will Day. Sorry, either of them over Zach Williams. Um, 
I think that he his role at Carlton going into that midfield is, is going to be much more valuable than, than a second year or a player who's playing on the halfback and maybe onto a wing. So I definitely spend definitely find that extra five uh, fifty grand to, to upgrade to a um, to upgrade to a Zach Williams. But it's it's an interesting one if you're looking at a player who is around that three hundred fifty to four hundred k and you, you can't spare the cash to upgrade, or you, you already have someone like a, a Duggan or a Williams in that side, and you're looking for a little bit more value. They both provide uh, a bit of value there, and, and obviously we saw with Scrimshaw last year having the ability to increase his his average a fair bit with um with Sicily out of the side, and then obviously another year under the belt for Day. So it's an interesting one, and and I'd try and find the extra cash, but if both of them have you know another nice practice match and, and a, a good start to the season as well. They're both possible upgrade targets, you know, three or four rounds in. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, ones to keep an eye on for sure. Um, the two I've got down for Bolters were watching this uh, this practice match um, off the halfback flank. Gosh, Hawthorne's added a bit of pace this offseason. In Germany, he is back up and about after his ACL and he's very popular, you know, at D3, D4, in a lot of sides at just uh, $212,000 dues, um, was taking a lot of the kick-ins, was, looked like the, the man that Hawthorne were identifying off the halfback flank to, to get it in his hands and, and get him to run around, kind of like a, an, reminded me of Adam Saad in a way. Um, and he's, he's someone I has, hasn't really left my team the whole way through. Um, what do you reckon he averages, Foz? Do you reckon he can hit that that seventy five to eighty average? Yeah, I, I think so. Especially if he is going to play that halfback role that they've pegged him for, taking the kickouts, especially with this new kicking in rule, or, or I guess man on the mark rule, it really is. Um, is going to benefit those sort of faster, speedier sort of kick in blokes like your Caleb Daniel and your, um, I guess Jake Lloyd's another one. But also if Jarman's taking those kickouts, he he has the ability to to that quick turn of pace and, and really break away before the defender is able to even move. So um, that's just going to make them even more efficient and a bit more effective um, kicking the ball out of the out of the defensive line than what is, you know, already seems to be um, pretty easy thing to do nowadays with, with the rules they brought in a couple of years ago. So if he is taking most of the kickouts, uh, he's definitely one to definitely one to watch. Um, I know that Blake Hardwick and, and Cicely have always shared that role over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see how many Blake, uh, takes and how many Jarman takes, but at two hundred twelve thousand, he's the same price or a very similar price to Jamara, and I, I don't see Jamara averaging even close to a seventy five eighty. Whereas I think uh, Impy's much more realistic at doing that. So, not that anyone I really think is is looking at Jamara as an option, but um, Impy definitely is one. And I, I think it'd be, despite the injury concerns, he's one, especially considering the sort of the lack or, or the nervousness around Ford uh, rookies. It's always a bit of a, you know, a bit of a gamble picking two or three that you need to start on the field. And he's someone who's around that price who who would offer, you know, a bit more stability in your side as long as he's fit. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of the reasons why he's, he's probably the closest thing I've, I've got to a lock from Hawthorne um, just because, you know, he's, he's in that best 22. And I think, most people should consider having him. It's just that, you know, he slides nicely into that bolder category alongside his uh, his friend on the other halfback, Blank, who seemed to be interchanging here and there um, in CJ, in GF, um, who was, you know, 266K defender, 
don't think you'd really go there unless you're, you know, we suddenly have no rookies turn up at all and you need someone in that price range to transform a, you know, a, a Rory Laird into someone like a Scrimshaw and Gieth or, or someone in that in that 250k price range. Um, but he, he had the ball in his hands a lot off halfback, used it reasonably well, I thought. Um, one to watch, but, you know, could potentially bolt away um, in, uh, you know, in 2021 in my eyes. Uh, my uneducated silly eyes is uh, is that are they uneducated and silly should should we be looking at gf or, or what do you think foz no he's he's definitely one to to watch i think he's uh, in a bit too awkward of a price range if it was about 30 40k cheaper um i'd, I'd probably have him in my, in my side i reckon he probably breaks into that best 22 and he um I'd say he's probably taking the position that Sicily took last year. Not that he's going to play the exact same role, but just that position on the halfback flank or the back pocket or wherever you think. I think it's just you know quite quite a sort of long development sort of player that Hawks have been playing with for the last few years. But played five games last year, um, looked pretty good in them last year, and then obviously today he was um, looking looking pretty pretty at ease in that Prucky game. So I'm hoping that he gets games this year. Obviously, as I was saying earlier, it's a bit of a um, a turnover of the list and just needing to push through some of those younger blokes. And he's definitely one that is probably worth a bit of a, an early season run at it and, and hopefully he can hold his spot from there. Yeah. Although that said, he did, he did score the stuff all last year. So he'd be, yeah. he'd be yeah, taking the risk that, you know, he doesn't improve that, but I, you know, from what I saw today, he'll have the ball in his hands often enough that he will. Um, but again, can understand why you'd give it a miss. Breakouts hit me Foz. My breakout is uh, Dylan Moore. Now, and... I really like this selection, not only because I've ended up with him in several draft leagues, but also because I've he's just a sneaky little player and he might finally get the opportunity he's needed. Talk to me it's, about Dylan Moore. It's an interesting one because um, I wouldn't have had him as my breakout before the practice match today. Um, he played three games last year, had an average of 70. Um, not really one to, I guess, hang your hat on and and back him into to play every game, um, but his price at three hundred thousand and he played a really important role. I thought today, playing sort of a half high half forward, moving onto the wing a fair bit. But the one that really sort of tickled me watching him was that he attended thirteen of the twenty nine center bounces, which I think is for someone who has been in and out of the side the last few years and. Um, hasn't had much of a chance or an opportunity to, to make a big impact is really promising. And, you know, once blokes start to come back into the side and we're playing our best 22, he probably will drop off on those centre bounce attendances. But the fact that they're, you know, giving them to him and and seeing how he goes, and he, and he did okay, um, is really promising that he's probably in that best 22 come round one. Um, and as a, you know, 300k forward, it is taking a bit of a risk when you could probably either downgrade him for you know, losing maybe 10 or 15 points per game, or you could upgrade him to something that's a little bit safer, but it's it's just falling into that mid-price madness at this stage and, and hoping that he delivers the goods. But I see him as someone in my best, in, or in our best 22, um, and I see him as someone playing a pretty important role on a wing, especially since we saw uh, Phillips play in the guts for almost the entire game. So there's definitely a wing spot open for him, and I think that he played well enough to to really earn it today. Yeah, but uh, yeah, really good. We'll say this about a lot of a lot of guys, um, you know, across the whole the whole 
pocket podcast, but he's a really good draft selection as well. If he slides and you get him towards the very back end of the draft, he could be very handy cover. Uh, do, do you have a projection on what you reckon he might average? You know, assuming that he gets a, a decent run at it on a wing or, or gets into that mid rotation while floating forward, despite not really being, you know, playing any of his junior level as a forward or, or really being built as a forward. What do you reckon he can, he can average maybe what, 70, 80? I reckon if he has a good run at it on the wing, he could probably average about 80. Um, if he does get those midfield minutes that he seemed to be getting today, and I think that's a, a big if. It would it would take a lot to to do that because you've obviously got Tom Mitchell to come back in there. Jake is playing a pretty big role in there. And you got you know these other blokes who, like James Cousins who, who started to get a lot more midfield minutes last year. So I don't know if he does get those midfield minutes, but if he does, yeah, 80 plus is, is probably the... Uh, Probably a, a, a basement a basement scoring expectation, I guess. But um, if he's playing on the wing and on the half forward flank, he's good enough to get a, a goal a game or, or try and you know go to, around that average. So yeah, 75, 85 is probably a realistic expectation from this coming season. Yeah, it, it will. It'll all you know depend on you know what happens with with um, with Tom Mitchell and you know, dare I say it, Chad Wingard coming back into that side as to, to what the, the midfield rotation looks like. And we probably won't know until round one. Um, but yeah, if you if you like playing with danger, he's, uh, he's one to look at. If you don't so much like playing with danger, but still want to, to pick a, a breakout in the midfield, my pick for breakout is that it's going back to the theme that a lot of guys who were projected to break out last year just haven't done it, be it because, you know, they're in the hub there. You know, the, the season was disrupt, disrupted. They, they you know, didn't get a clean run at it. James Warple, $474,000 is very underpriced for what he can produce um, on the footy field. And, you know, last year only averaged the 88 um, from his... Uh, his run of games only had the three tons in there as well hurt, but he's, he seems like he's come back through the off season. He's, he's, you know, bulked up a little bit. He's running a lot better. He's, I feel like he's getting to the right spots more having watched him in, in that practice match. I just feel like the, the intuitions there, whether or not you'd look at picking him over, say, a, a you know, you wouldn't pick him over a Paddy Cripps who's you no know, 50 K more, would you pick him over a Matt Rowell at 505k? I don't know, but I, I feel like this is the year that Warple, you know, hitting 48 games or 49 games by round one, I think this is the season that he does jump to to 110 as, a, as an average or, or 105, 110 as an average. Whether or not that's enough for you in the midfield, potentially not, but he, he's my pick as a breakout. What, what do you think, Foz? Uh, I guess it does depend on what you're looking to get out of him. I don't think he'd be a valuable keeper um, in your side. If you, There are blokes around that sort of price that that have the potential to be a top eight, top ten sort of scorer, and, and you'd probably look at going up to a Paddy Cripps who has shown the ability to, to score and, and maintain an average of 115-plus pretty easily and over a number of different seasons. So... Um, but if you're looking for someone who can potentially make a bit of cash and then later upgrade him, um, then he is not a bad option. But in saying that, there is Matty Rowell, who's you know twenty, thirty k more expensive, and um, I'd probably prefer Rowell's in my side and Warple's not for that reason. If Warple was a forward, I'd be 
he'd be in my side straight away because I do think he's going to increase his average, but I don't know if he's going to increase it enough to really make it a valuable selection, especially in that midfield when you've got so many other players who are scoring really well and, and more consistently than him. So um, he's a no for me, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on. And if you know if he starts the season hot early, then um, you could look at bringing him in uh, and correcting a trade. But even then, I'd probably steer clear just because I don't see him averaging, you know, 110 to 120 to really make it worth it. Um, whereas there are blokes are sort of around that price who could do it. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. But we'll move right along to the meat of this podcast because it's the meat of where the fantasy relevance in Hawthorne is this year. The rookies. Oh boy, am I excited by the fact that there's a club that's likely to just play lots of rookies. That's not North Melbourne. Um, it's just, yeah, re- really exciting to see a lot of those younger guys running around today. Um, you mentioned more, um, but, you know, there are some recent draftees that are coming in. And how many of them do you reckon debut in round one? Have you got like a rough, do you reckon we might see two or three of them? How, how's it shaping up in terms of obviously on the rebuild, but getting that new blood in very early doors? What do you think? It's very unlike Hawthorne to be debuting anyone round one. So it'd be a massive change to, to what we have done in the past. But um, I expect Downey will probably... That's not what I want to hear. I expect Downey will be there. Um, he looked really, really good on the wing there. Um, or a couple of passages of play where he's he just carved up that wing and, and, and run really hard, like plenty of gut running from him. Um, and his skills aren't completely flash and, and set just yet, but he's also you know 18 years old and you can't expect the world of him just yet. So No, especially after missing last year, I think will be the, the one thing that goes Plenty of rust to yeah, but... get out of it. Yeah, but... He looked very promising, especially as a youngster, and I think that he'll probably slot straight into the side, or at least he should. Whether he takes you know a few weeks to get into the side and and you know play some reserves footy first, who knows? Um, but I think he should be in the side. Um, Tyler Brockman also looked really at home, playing a sort of forward to you know uh, moved up the ground a little bit. I think it was more of a, a half forward than a um, yeah, he than like a real a, a wing high, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a high half forward being that one of those link-up players yeah. and took a few really nice marks as he well. He did, yeah. He looked he looked good. Um, I don't know if he's in round one, but he's probably in the, you know, the 26, 27 blokes who are all have that realistic expectation of playing. So he's not one that I would be selecting right now and saying, yep, lock him away. He's a you know, mid-forward at 117, 300. Um, but he is one that definitely keep an eye on. And if he is selected round one, then that's really promising. But Connor Downey's the one that I think will most likely play. Um, Finn McGuinness is another one who uh, wouldn't necessarily, you know, be in that best 22, but he's obviously debuted late last year. Um, just to ruin the price for just us. Just to ruin the price and send him up to 195. But he's also one that has leaned, you know, gotten a bit leaner over the off season, um, a bit stronger as well. And is, is probably one that I would expect to, uh, to play most, if not all games next year, barring suspension or injury. Um, Jacob Kaczynski, Kaczynski, my mouth has stopped working. Um, Jake Cozzi uh, has been touted in the offseason having moved forward um, to be a, you know, a, a big hunk of a target up in the forward 50. Obviously, you've got Tim O'Brien and Mitch Lewis down there. John Patton is kind of in purgatory at the minute. 
does does Cozzy get a run? Do you think? Can we look at the the hundred and twenty three k defensive eligible player who's who's you know this year will be a forward? Will he will he get a look in? Do you think? Can we can we count on him as playing? I don't know if he'll play round one. I imagine we'll probably see him at some stage. There's, there's been a lot of hype over him in the off season and, and pre season. So um, and apparently that move forward has worked really well, and he's he's working pretty. Pretty nicely as a second to third sort of key key target up forward. Um, I don't know how long the sort of Mitch Lewis Tim O'Brien experiment is going to last. I don't love either of them as as sort of that one two punch. It's it's amazing how we've gone from Buddy and Roughhead to O'Brien and Lewis, and it's just it just hurts me as a Hawks fan. But um, I, he'll probably get games at some stage. He's still quite young and and as we've been saying pretty much this whole podcast, that at some stage they've got to play the kids and, and give them a go. But um, I don't see him starting round one, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm still pining for the days of Lloyd and Lucas. So, um, yeah, get ready for that to last a little bit longer. If uh, Essendon's quote-unquote rebuild is anything to go by, um, I'd get comfortable with uh, with looking at the forward line and going, oh, God, not again. <laughs> Sean McKernan again. Um but anyway, let's let's not talk about Essendon because I can't, my spirit just can't deal with it. Um, and the only other rookie, or the, there are you know a few other rookies that might be given a shot. I don't think any of them would be realistic for round one, aside from Denver Granger Barras. He played a half in the seniors in the uh, in the practice match against the Dogs, and then played half in the VFL. Um, looked a little bit out of his depth. Um, especially you know early on in the seniors match, do you think he plays early? And and if he does, you know, being a not not a traditional key position player, but you know more of that third tall, is he someone we could pick or or we should steer clear of in terms of a super coach prospect? I think at that that price point, the the one eighty four k, it's probably a little bit too expensive to to pick a a key defender with. Um, I imagine that he'll probably play that third third tall if he does play behind Hardigan and Frost who are probably going to take the sort of bigger lumbering forwards and it gives him a chance to play a little bit more of an intercept um, or medium-sized defender. But I don't know if he's in our best 22 just yet. Uh, uh, he's another player who's definitely a pick for the future and, and will be a star down the track. But um, I don't see him averaging any more than 55 if he plays, um, to be honest. So I'd rather downgrade that. In pocket 60k and and invest that elsewhere and and just pick a a basement priced rookie to be honest so good for footy but not good for super coach i think i think he's a player who will be very valuable a few years down the track but not for us this year yeah uh, moving along tom phillips is my pass i just like i know he's playing midfield today we've mentioned there are a bunch of players that that are still to come back into that midfield i think he, he doesn't quite fit the youth demographic you know, 400k. If I'm if I'm wrong, maybe I'll look at picking him up. But but forward mid 400k, basically on the dot. I'm just not not hugely keen on on Tom Phillips at this stage. Um, he he's my pass. Foz, you've got down a pass. Who I've got down as a trap. Yep. Let's let's address the the lumbering elephant in the room. Well, it's funny. My trap is your pass. Your trap is my pass. But. Um, I guess it's pretty much the same thing. Big boy Ben McAvoy is my pass. Um, he did play a lot of the game in the ruck, um, which was 
I guess, good. He last year played, Ruckman played as a defender, which has made him eligible this year, and he averaged 85, which is a little bit down on what he has done in the past. But if he can move back into that Ruck role, um, he'd be a much more attractive prospect as a key defender, or sorry, as a, I guess, a defender in Supercoach. Um, but if he's playing down back, it's a definite no. It's a maybe if he's playing in the ruck and you can pick him as a defender, which makes it a bit more confusing. But as a ruckman, I'm not going outside of Gorn and Grundy now. I've played around with Proust and I've played around with Marshall and neither of them have lasted until round one. So I'm just going with the, the good old-fashioned set and forget and uh, I don't think I can fit in big boy into my back line just yet. But you know, if he comes out and he's playing that primary ruck role and he's you know, averaging 105, he could easily slide his way in um, as an upgrade target later in the season, but not going to start with him. No, I just, I don't like the fact that, you know, we, we kind of played this game a little bit last year. We're trying to figure out if Segler would rock, if McAvoy would rock and him making, like Hawthorne making him captain has kind of complicated things and made it more confusing because now he's definitely, he will definitely play every game that he's fit. And, you know, you'd assume that it'd be in the ruck based off what we saw in the practice match. But then what happens to Segler? Do they play him as a useless key forward? Do they, like, try and split it 50-50 and play McAvoy forward? Does, you know, they're obviously missing a few key defenders. Does McAvoy have to go down back if if Frost um, or Hardigan get injured or, or get a knock? Or they're playing a team with three lumbering giants up forward? There's just a lot of uncertainty around McAvoy's role. And, you know, if he's playing ruck and they drop, Segler, then short, smooth sailing. McAvoy probably averages 100, 105. I'd look to bring him in. But just to start with, I just feel like he's there's a lot of risk there and there's not a lot of upside in terms of what he will score you in the ruck um, and, and what his value is to as a super coach side. I just, I don't yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just not interested at the minute. Um, and the other trap I've got written down, obviously, is uh, is Chad Wingard because he's a trap. And anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows that, uh, yeah, if you pick him, I won't talk to you again, which is why I haven't said a word to Baron Von Crow in three years. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll play um, an important, a really important role for us this year, Chatty Boy. Um, there, was, there was an interesting stat that I saw over the preseason. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it now because I didn't even think he was going to cop a mention in this podcast, but I'll try and... Right. It, ha- it was just, just for the memes. Just, just try and paraphrase it a bit. On. Out of his centre bounce attendances last season, Chad Wingard uh, had the lowest percentage of clearances out of anyone who attended more than 20 centre bounces, I believe, on the season. Yeah, It was something I, I obscure that like that, but... His success rate of getting a clearance was about ten percent. Yeah, it was um, pretty abysmal, or a little bit lower um, than that. It was something absurd. And for someone who's been touted as a midfield or midfielder style player, I don't understand how you can play in the midfield and be a game changer if you're not getting any clearances. So, um, yeah, do no. not pick Chad. Do not pick him. It's that's it's that simple. And anyone who does again. We'll not talk to you, and that includes you, Baron. Love you, but also stop picking Chad Wingard. I think that just about wraps us up for Hawthorne. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about the Brown and Gold boys? No, except that we're going to win the flag in 2022. Um, 
and James Warple will probably win a Brownlee this year. But apart from that, no, I'm good. Um, one of those things might be true. Um, I'll let you guess which one I think it is. Foz, thank you very much for appearing on the Pocket Profiles. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me, Patch. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. My pleasure. Community, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening across the whole set. This would be one of the last ones to go out, if not the last one. Go back and have a listen to them all. We've unpacked every single club. Um, yeah, just just go have a listen. Um, let us know your thoughts in the comments below. If you're listening on some form of app, like a podcast app or a Spotify or an Apple Apple apps, Apple podcasty thing, give us a give us a rate. Lack dog tells me it's good for things, and you know pats me on the head and says nice things, as opposed to regular abuse. Um, when I say go rate us on the podcast thing, once again, thank you to Teller Beats. Um, thanks again to Supercoach Champion. Remember to check them out. And thank you, community. We will see you in the comments on the website.